what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the Emmaus proposition man it's your boy it's your host Shay G coming back at y'all I'm trying some new intros y'all bear with me <laughs> as we keep this thing rolling man y'all might hear me say some different stuff until I land on what's uh what suits me most but it's your boy, Shay G, coming back at y'all with another episode of the Emmaus Proposition. Man, it's, it's really good to be back with y'all, man. Hope everybody doing good. I've been praying for y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, if you're tuning in over on the YouTubes, thank you so much for tuning in, man. Thank you for the likes. Um, spread it out to folks, the the subscribes. Man, y'all... Y'all blessing your boy, so thank y'all so much, man. And for everybody that's that's watching and you're not giving me a thumbs up, you're not subscribing, you're not telling folks about it, for shame. No, I'm just joking. Yo, y'all hook your boy up, man. That stuff is free to y'all, but man, the more folks that can hear about it, man, the the further this thing could go, man. We just we just trying to rep Christ over here, man. So as y'all hear it, share it. Make you make sure you subscribe and make sure you give them a thumbs up. If you're over on the podcast, yo, y'all can interact with the content too, man. Uh, usually, I have my email down in the description. Hit your boy up. Let me know you're listening, and um, and share, man. Trying to trying to get um, every little nook and cranny where folks can hear about Christ, man. And so this ain't the only content people talking about Jesus. If uh, if you know of other places, man, support them, man. That's how uh, that's how we affect culture, man. That's how we that's how we put Christ in the midst of everything, man. Uh, not that I think that everything is going to get better. It's not like I'm some kind of post millennialist or something like that. Um, but man, uh, we we gonna go down swinging if we go if we gonna if this earth is gonna go down. I feel like the Christians c- should go down swinging, man. We can't we can't just roll over and let the enemy do what he wants to do, man. We got to we got to tell about Jesus in every sphere, man. And that's what we want to do over here on the Emmaus proposition, man. We want to take anything out of culture, all these kind of different conversations we have in man, stuff we see in the news, uh stuff we talking about around the the uh the old school um or the water jug. We want these conversations are happening, man. We just got to be focused in how we're happening them. And so Hopefully this uh, this material gets you to thinking about how to do it in your own context. And today's episode, I had a conversation over the weekend. Man, yo, check this out. I went on a real cool um, men's retreat over the weekend at this place called Anchor Point. It's up uh, it's up in the Lake Tahoe area. Uh, these cats are just getting off the ground, man. They are, man. For us to be their first one, man, they killed it. They killed it, man. It was, it was, uh, it was a lot of stuff to do. It was really fun. They had a, they had an awesome dynamic speaker, uh, and I just, I walked away feeling encouraged, man. My face was all wet from crying the whole time. Um, felt convicted, felt encouraged. Um, man, made some new friends out of it, man. Hoping, hopefully, got a new mentor out of it. It was just good. It was just good all along, man. So. Uh, if y'all see those coming up, definitely, if if you see a place called Anchor Point, man, definitely jump in on it because it was really good. And I'm looking forward to going back, man. So if next year comes around, I think they have having another one like around September. If y'all see it pop up, man, maybe we can meet up, 
chop it up a little bit, maybe do an episode of the Emmaus Proposition. <laughs> so, yo, like I said, today we're going to talk about one of the conversations I had when I was up there. Had a really good conversation with um, a new, a newly developing friend, and we were talking about does does God use evil? I, I don't even know how to frame it, man. We were, we were talking about like the nature of evil in the world, right? And uh, the guy he he found out that uh, we didn't hold the same theological lens. Like he's he's probably a mo- little bit more of a like a free will guy. Uh, self-described free will guy and I'm not like I, I believe in uh, in the doctrines of grace and predestination and stuff like that right so we had we had a really good conversation and the conversation steered toward the nature of evil and he asked me a very poignant question and I thought it was a really good question does is God the author of evil and I've heard this. I've heard this question before, right? This is this is one of those questions that people ask when they're trying to um, they're trying to they feel like they're trying to dive deep into theology, and they have these thoughts about God, how um, God can't be the author of evil because uh, God God is good, right? The Bible says God is good, and He can't stand to be in the presence of evil. And so, how could God create something that He can't stand to be in the presence of? Right. And it's, I think it's a, it's a decent argument. I, I think I would disagree with some of the premise as we'll talk about here shortly, but those kind of conversations, they can get heated a little bit because as we're talking about God and as we're talking about our understanding of God and who God is, right. We don't, we don't want to think of God as bringing bad things into people's lives. Like we'll look at a story like Job, right. And you know, two Christians, I was about to say two Christians sitting in the bar, but <laughs> I wasn't going to tell a joke like that. Uh, you got two Christians, they're sitting there, they're having a conversation, right? And one can read the, the passage of Job, and they say, um, no, God God didn't bring evil into Job's life. It was Satan that brought evil into Job's life. But then they run with that theological thought, and they say, God is not... God is not the one who brings these things in, it's it's the prince of the power of the air. It's it's Satan himself and his minions that are that are bringing these these things into people's lives. And then you have the other person sitting at the bar <laughs> in this conversation, and they're like, "Well, I mean, maybe, maybe not." Like that's that's what that's where it becomes hard right like we're talking about the nature of god in these conversations and from the from our finite minute brains cannot comprehend that god can be completely just and completely wrathful and completely love all at the same time like it it, it kind of warps our minds a little bit and some people do this theological dance where they have god being uh, this way at certain times and this way at other times. And they, they have this whole uh, dispensational thing where God deals with people in different ways at different times. And he asks different things of them and stuff like that, right? And the reason I want to talk about it today is because the, the, the progression of where the conversation headed, man, I, could, I can see where we start to get off theologically if we don't just accept the fact that God is in control of everything. 
everything. There's, there's not one thing in all creation that God is not control, in control over. That includes us and our decision-making abilities. That includes our process of salvation, whether it's justification, sanctification, glorification, all of it, the whole process belongs to God. Yo, the things that happen in our life that we look at and say, how could God do this to me? Not that they're just used by God to the good of his glory, but that God actually brings them to the glue of his glory. And yo, I'm sure I'm going to have some folks that are like, oh, you can't say that. You can't, you can't think that way. Yo, I'm going to pull up some Bible verses, man. Not, not for just like disagreement's sake, right? Like I don't want to do that. But I'm going to bring up some Bible verses that hopefully like challenge who you know God to be and, and not in a way that like that draws you away from God, but actually in a way that like it brings God more glory. We start to get to the bottom of like who God really is. And that's the point of theology, right? It's the it's the study of God. And so we shouldn't just turn our brains off and we're like, well, I don't well, my God wouldn't act that way. I don't think God would be that way. We can't we can't do that, man. God is who he is. And and we got to. We got to understand his nature. We got to come to him in a way that's reverent in in utter fear of who he is. As you look at the beginning of Proverbs, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. Like it's the, it's the beginning of wisdom. We can't we can't just look at it and say, "Well, fear just means to respect." Yo, I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you something. Um we had when I was in high school, I was on a football team, right? Like, I, I mean, I played football in high school. <laughs> and, uh, man, these jokers, man, I, I love those cats back there, man. Like, I, like yo, Westside High, class of 96, we were, just, we were just killing the game. All four years I was there, man, whether it was JV or varsity, we, we were just, we were, we were it, man. You know what I'm saying? And so we had this one cat. Um, he was NFL bound. His name was Sean Ellis right he was the biggest fastest dude on the field like they when we were in we were in high school like he played basketball i want to say he played center or something like that uh on the football field they had him playing uh defensive end sometimes tight end and um the dude was just like he was a monster he was he was just huge and he he got drafted in the NFL and i remember when when we were playing against him, or when I, you know, we're, we'd be in practice and stuff like that, right? Here I am, you know, he's a defensive end, and we have this we have this play where we would uh, we would run this. It was called a sweep. It was like a forty eight sweep, right? And my job as um, you know as a, as a as a flanker, as a, as an inside wide receiver, right? My job was to crack down. Um, on that outside uh, end, whether it was the defensive end or, or linebacker, depending on where they lined up, my job was to crack down that person so that the running back could get to the outside and hopefully, you know, get as far down the field as they could, hopefully scoring a touchdown. That was the point, right? And I remember, man, I would hate hitting that dude because he would turn around and he's just – He's just the biggest thing out there, man. And so my the the whole field of my vision, I all I could see is him. And trying to crack down on him was like, man, it's like me running into a brick wall. <laughs> and then like if I ever caught the ball and I saw him coming at me, man, there was just a there was just a fear, man. This dude is huge. 
And so I, the reason why I respect him, even to this day, I got respect for him. Because I had a, a, a lightweight fear of him. I'm not going to walk around like trembling in my boots or nothing like that, man. I got some pride about me. Back up. <laughs> but nah, dude, dude was huge. And, and if and it, would be, it would be crazy for me to just run up on this big man child as small as I was in comparison to him. It would be foolish of me to run up on him with, with not an ounce of fear in me. Like you... Fear equals respect, and, and respect equals fear, and and there's not there's not a bad thing about that. Like you you have a you have a a healthy respect for heights because there's a fear you could fall. You have a a healthy respect if you're if you're looking outside of an airplane, you don't want to jump out that billy because there's a fear there. It, you know what I mean? And so and so for God, the more we the more we start to understand who He is and the bigness magnitude the uh the the complete unlike us he, he's just, he's nothing like us the, the more we start to like understand that the more the more we can give him like pure authentic worship the, the fact that god could look out and say i want that person in my family come here and he and he calls us to him he draws us out commands us to awaken from the dead and come to him as we start to approach him more and more man it's a the bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the lord and thankfully like as we're walking to him with fear there's also a love there but you can't you can't you can't take away that god is that is terrible too it'll be it'll be a terrible thing so as as magnificent as the sun is right it would be a terrible experience to try to walk up to the sun. It's dangerous. That's that's why, like you look at you look at the Old Testament as people were like, they saw the presence of God come down on the mountain in Exodus, and they were like, oh, we're not approaching that mountain. Moses, you go up. Uh, as as Moses sees the bush on fire, he's like, I'm I, I'm curious about what's going on because that's just weird. But then the bush says, take off your shoes. The place you're standing on is holy ground. Can you imagine, like, just just a little, just a little wetness on your front side might come out. Just a, not, not a lot, you know what I mean? Just, just like a little tinkle comes out if you have something like that. Y'all can front if y'all want to, man. Y'all should be more scared of God. Be more fearful of God. Have more reverence for him. That's, that's what his presence means, right? And so we're having this conversation over the weekend, and I was just watching the news just now how uh, Hurricane Ian, 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 is going through Florida. And, you know, we we had these kind of conversations with people like, does God bring these things on people, or is it just the result of a sinful world? And then God takes advantage of what's already happening to the good of his glory. And man, like... The latter option that God just kind of sees what's out there and then responds to it. I, as I look at the scriptures, as I look at the presence of God, as I look at his character, I don't see God being reactionary. I, I don't think anything takes God off guard. Everything is under his sovereign control. Absolutely everything. And if everything is in his control, that means he's the one that's bringing it. And 
I think sometimes we have a problem with that because we're like, no, God is supposed to be good, man. Like, why, why would he send a hurricane where it's killing people? Like, what about the people in, like, those, those small islands like Haiti that, that have their houses destroyed? They're, actually, their entire island is destroyed, not just their community, man. It, it devastates the whole island. Like, are you telling me that the loving God that I serve would bring a hurricane to ruin people's lives? What kind of God is that? And people have, and people have like these thoughts, and I just, I think that's kind of short-sighted for the biblical narrative. Like I, I don't think they're really reading what God says about Himself. Let me hit you to some stuff, man. Let me hit you, hit you to some of these verses, and uh, I'm gonna have them scroll up the screen a little bit. But it, you'll see in these verses, man, like God is in control. So um, you look at stuff like. Um, he's talking about in Psalm 44, how he, um, let me see Psalm 44. He made us like sheep for the slaughter and, and scattered us among the nations. Like the people were talking about how God scattered them among the nations. Like he made them a sheep for the slaughter in, um, in Exodus four, he says, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Um, you, you look at David's life with David and Bathsheba. It was the Lord that afflicted uh, David's love child. It was the Lord who did that. First um, Samuel 2.7 says, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and exalts. Um, as saints are going through suffering, first Peter says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while they're doing good. Um, as we're talking about like Christians being persecuted, it said in uh, Hebrews 12, um, verse four says in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding, shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary uh, when repro reproved by him. It's God who does that. It's God who brings that stuff. It's God who, um, who, who gives life and who takes it away. First Samuel 2.6 says, The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. Amos, Amos 3.6 says, Is a trumpet blown in the city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? And so we look at these verses and we say, man, there's no way God could be doing that stuff, man. It's got to be him using the demons just like he did in Job. So God sent um, uh, Satan or he, he allowed Satan to kind of do his thing against Job but if you, if you go back and read the story of Job God brought Job up God said to Satan have you considered my servant Job it was God who put Job to the test Satan wasn't thinking about Job it was God who brought him up test him out Satan See what you can do. That's my boy. And we have these things, right? So we'll see hurricanes come through and we're like, 
man, Satan is at work. And, and yo, on the stream, like, that is, I, I think that's true. Like, I, I think Satan definitely does stuff to affect the human mind. He, he influences our thoughts. I don't think he's omnipresent. I don't think he's omnipotent. I think he, I think he can manipulate um, our, our current world in a way that's not as powerful as God. It's it's not like Satan. It's not like here's the thing. It's um it's a mixing of religions when people equate this equal battle between good and evil. That's that's called dualism, right? And in some kind of way dualism has affected and infected Christianity to where um there's there's good things that happen in this world that are controlled by God. There's bad things that happen in this world that can, are controlled by Satan. And they do this like yin and yang dance where um, sometimes good things happen. And the more good things we put out in the world, the, the more we're getting closer to God. And uh, as bad things happen in the world, that means we're falling further away from God. And we need to get our lives together kind of thing. And, and yo, these, these kind of thoughts, like, they are not true Christianity. I, I don't think this is what Jesus had in mind as he's looking at the faith of his uh, disciples. Um, because there's plenty, there's plenty of bad things that happen in this world that come from God. There's a, there's a lot of pastors like early on, like when Katrina hit, right? There was a lot of pastors that were saying like, yo, this, this place needs judgment. This, this is the judgment of God. This, and this is for the betterment of God's people. Hopefully it wakes them up to the sin they're having. And, and what happens if, uh, even early back then, right? You had like this cancel culture thing where if a pastor like preaches purely the word of God, preaches like like who God is, his nature, what he said, what he's doing. When pastors just p- preach it pure, man, the congregants don't like it. And sheep bite. They, they're good at biting. And um, there's a lot of pastors that got bit by the sheep, man. It, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like what they're saying wasn't truthful, man. Our nation, it's, it's overdue for judgment. And and I and I promise you, like if if people had just received what pastors were saying, even back then, right? I, I feel like that was maybe it's just in my lifetime, but I feel like that was like one of the the more defining natural disasters of our time. Like I said, maybe it's just from my lifetime, but that one seemed like it was like it was directly against the United States. And I mean, we went on from there and had stuff like I mean, nine eleven came before Katrina, but. I think Katrina was another one. There was a lot of people that were like, man, this is the, this is God using Christians, uh, Christians enemies to bring them judgment, just like he did in the old Testament. God would, God would use other nations, um, the, the people that were against Israel, he would use other nations to bring punishment on his own people. It's not outside <laughs> Man, it's like, it's like we've forgotten the story of the Bible, and 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 sometimes I I think like we got wrapped up in hippie Jesus, like God was like a mean kid back in the Old Testament, and you hear you hear people say like, is that the God of the Old Testament or is that the God of the New Testament? 
God said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who God was in the Old Testament is the exact same who he is in the New Testament. We see God bringing judgment upon people in the, in the Old Testament. We see uh, the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts bringing judgment on people in the New Testament. And then at the very end of the book, you see Jesus bringing the real, real. You see, you see Jesus mad. So this hippie Jesus that's, that's, that's pulling flowers out of his hair and he's granting it with a kiss to all the, all the people's. I don't know where that Jesus came from, man. That's that's not that's not number one. It's not the Jewish carpenter that we see in the Gospels. It's not the king, the conquering king that we see in Revelation. It's not the angel of the Lord that we see the, in the Old Testament. As you have these theophanies of Christ showing up in the Old Testament, it it's nowhere in here. I don't know who this person is that people that people just pull out of their backside. I have no idea, man. But the but the God of the Bible, who who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, who Jesus is, he's the one that the Bible says he brings calamity. He directly says, I'm the one who brings calamity. I'm the one who brings these these things upon people. And if you look at Job, Job was okay with that. As Job, you know, his wife is talking all that yin-yang. Like, she's like, why don't you just curse God and die? Like, hasn't he taken a, enough away from you? Why don't you just move away from this stuff? Like, she's going off, right? And Job is like, man, you speaking like one of them foolish chicks out there. You sound dumb right now. How are we going to accept the good things from God and not accept the evil that he brings? And it uses the word evil. Some translations might say calamity. They might they might use another word, but it's regardless of the word you use, it's not it's not a good thing. God God is the one who brings that stuff. God is the one, yo, in my estimation, on who God is, who he reveals himself to be, not only in the scriptures, but in our world on a daily basis, God is the one who puts life into people. And is the same one who takes life away from people. So whether we, whether we get good things and good blessings from God, or we receive things that we don't like, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's that's the life, man. That's the God we serve. This this God that these these prosperity cats go around preaching like. The, the God we serve, he's just nothing but joy, peace, and happiness. And as you come to him and you pray hard enough and you give us fifty nine ninety five, uh, God's going to bring some blessings in your life. And here, take take one of these. Uh, matter of fact, don't take it. Pay for one of these waters. Add, add a blessing onto it, and get one of these. Get one of these towels so you can so you can wet the end of the towel so you can snap each other with blessings. Like you can you can pop each other's backsides with blessings. Man, that's that's bunk, man. <laughs> that is bunk and it all comes from this idea somehow that there's this dualism um of the earth we live in god is holy he is not like us god brings good things he brings bad things and they yo here's the hard part here's the real hard part here's the part that people don't like check this out it has nothing to do with you it has zero to do with you God is doing things for the good of his own glory. 
we either get benefits or not benefits as an abstract, as as a, like a side thought. And people will say what? But no, Christ came to seek and save the lost. He came to redeem his people, right? And I would say to that, like, the reason he did so was for his own glory. God moves and operates to the good of his own will and his own glory. We get byproducts off of that. God, God does not hold matter together and reality together, like with the, with the power of his word and the palm of his hand. However, since God is spirit, you could take it either way you want to. I'm not going to go to that argument. God is holding all things together. Not because of you. I <laughs> I don't know how to say that to some folks, man. Like they they completely miss out on the fact that God, like they think God is is doing the world. He's he's doing reality just for them. Man, that's crazy. And and if y'all if y'all think that, man, hey, let's have lunch. I love y'all. I'm a chaplain. I'm here to listen. I promise. And I I'll do my best to be non-judgmental and I'll do my best to just listen and I'm a friend. If you ask me on my opinion, I'll slowly introduce it. <laughs> That's it's it's a crazy thought. It's a, it's a crazy thought that people can um in their own self-inflated narcissism think that God moves and operates for their benefit. Not for their benefit. Solely for their benefit. I think that's how I would rather word that. Solely for their benefit. Like they say that they'll take a verse like John 3.16 For God so loved the world, right? That's how it's introduced. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And they'll say, see, God loved the world so much that he sent his son. And then we look at verses like, for the glory that was set before him, he endured the cross. And we look at Jesus' life and Jesus saying stuff like, when they raise up the son of man, he wasn't talking about raising up to heaven. He was talking about raising up on the cross. Check this out. Swallow, swallow this thought. If God wasn't the one who brought calamity upon our lives, there were, the cross shouldn't be a thing. If God is not the one who brings calamity upon our lives, the cross should not be a thing. Do you know the amount of devastating agony Jesus went through not only on the cross, but even leading up to the cross. Not even getting kicked and spit on and, and jeered at, whipped, flesh torn off, beard pulled out. Not even that, but even, even like in the garden. As God doesn't seem to answer him when he says, if there's any other way, 
if there's any other way that this can go down, man, please, let's, let's do that. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Do you know the agony that, that it takes to, to set your mind that you're going to die within a couple hours? The, the amount of agony you, you have to be in, that as you're praying, you start sweating, and as you're sweating, it's mixed with blood. Man, the mental the mental anguish that it takes to get there, man. And y'all y'all telling me that God doesn't bring calamity upon the world? He brought it on his son. And we would preach it. We would say God took the sins of the whole world. Every every believer in Christ throughout past, present, and future times until the time when he comes back until the until the fullness of time, he took all of his people's sins and placed it on Christ. So much so that God said uh, the Bible says that he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin. He was the manifestation of evil for God's justice. All that wrath was placed on Christ. The man who did nothing wrong, the perfect lamb, spotless and blameless, was blamed for everything that went wrong. You mean to tell me God doesn't bring calamity? Look at his son. That that should settle the argument right there. So as we're having as we're having conversations, I remember this one time, me and my boys um, back from South Carolina, we were talking about um, you know the su- the suffering that black folks have been through. It was horrific, man. It was horrific. I mean, and and it started when their own people sold them into slavery. Like you were you were sometimes like you were my brother. You were just you were just my neighbor, and now you're selling me to these to these slave auctioners we're kinsmen yeah we're from another tribe but you're my kinsman and you're selling me into slavery we go from that to to being auctioned off to being put on a boat and yo stuffed in a boat not not even like cattle like bales of hay it's just slapped in like like fish you know how they go fishing and they just kind of dump fish carcasses in the bottom of the boat there were sometimes the conditions were like that sometimes they were chained for the entire journey and then they get to the americas and and not to admit like there's sometimes like they they were going through through trials to try to get across sea maybe the boat was sinking so they got to throw some bodies overboard or maybe like pirates are coming through and uh, they don't want to get caught with slaves or, or the British government is coming through as they're trying to end slavery. British governments are coming through and instead of getting caught with slaves, they just toss them overboard. All kind of stuff went on during the journey, man. It was it was horrific. And then they get here to the Americas and they're ripped apart from their families. They're, they're placed with people. They don't speak the same language. They're from different tribes, different tongues, different cultures. And they're stuck together like they belong together. And they're beaten and they're whipped and they, they're castrated and they're, they're um, sometimes their Achilles are torn out so they don't so they don't try to run. The women are raped intentionally to try to breed the black out of them, and and some of those things are are documented historical things that happen. And one of my boys made a point, and he said, um, "Man, but if if God had not done that." 
we would still be stuck in our sin. As a people, we wouldn't know who Christ was. Granted, I think I think Christ was in Africa way before the slave trade, and and there's documented um, tales of that and and writings of that. Like that's that's not the point he was making. The point he was making was not that God works all things to the good of His glory to those who believe. That that wasn't the that wasn't the thought that he was going after. The thought he was going after was, man, just like God sent his people into captivity multiple times so that when they came out on the other side, they would glorify him more. God sent, um, God sent his people into captivity so that he can pull them out of whatever worldview they were immersed in to give them Christ. And some people look at that and say, man, we were robbed of our heritage. We were, we were robbed of our identity. Uh, God took it away. And my response sometimes is like, yeah, because he says he gives us a new identity, a new family, a new way of looking at the world. We have an inheritance now, an eternal one. Yes, God did these things, man. God, God is the one who controls and orchestrates and authors everything. Hebrews says he's the author and perfecter of our faith. He writes it and he perfects it. He's the one who does it. He's the one who, um, and, and that's another place the conversation went, right? Um, did God respond to Adam and Eve sinning? And then put his plan of salvation into place? Or was it always the purpose? Was it always the point for Adam and Eve to sin? So that in the long run, Christ could be glorified. Remember, the Bible is not us. It's not about us. I mean, the scriptures are not about us. The point of Adam and Eve Eve's sinning was so that Christ could be introduced, and he's introduced right there at Adam and Eve. One day a seed is going to come. He's going to crush the serpent's head. He's going to have his uh, heel struck. The head crusher is coming, and we see it throughout the entire Bible. And somehow, somehow, dude, we make it all about us, man. If We're that weird girlfriend that, like... <laughs> We're that weird girlfriend that if you lose your job or something like that, she's like, I can't believe you would do this to me. Straight up. <laughs> it's nothing to do with us. Hurricanes. Let me say this. Hurricanes are to the glory of God. Because it, it causes people. It causes people to think this is something that's way outside of my control that I'm not going to be able to stop. I need a rescuer. Earthquakes are to the glory of God because it causes people to think the very ground that I'm standing on is moving. I have no, no uh, sure foundation, but oh, I remember the Bible says, don't build your house on sinking sand, build it on the rock. If you smell, <laughs> not that rock, build it on the rock, a stumbling stone to unbelievers the chief cornerstone for his church. 
that is what we're supposed to be building on. The Bible is not about us. I mean, it's, not, it's not the 10 best ways to live a happy life. It's about the glory of Christ in all circumstances, man. Everything, everything, everything is about Jesus, man. That's, and that's what we do, man. That's what we are here at the Emmaus Proposition, man. It's, it's all about Christ. How can we give comfort to those who are going through the storm surge right now in Florida? We tell them about Christ, man. This place is not our home. This place is filled with an entire reality that's trying to kill us. Cancer is trying to kill us. Um, natural disasters are trying to kill us. We're killing ourselves. Have you seen all the crime that's going on? We can't even get ourselves together. Everything, everything in this reality is trying to kill us. And Christ is trying to take us home. Jesus says, man, I'm, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one can come through the Father except through me. And, and Thomas looks at him. He says, man, we, we don't know the way. He says, yes, you do. I'm it. I am the way. I am the way. You know it. You've seen me. You've walked with me. Yo, we have God's who God is right here in the scriptures. We know who he is. We, we know how he's in control of all things. We know that he's the one that's, that's causing the world to continue to go around year after year, day after day. Nothing has failed. He's the one that's keeping all things together. How can we accept the goodness that God brings and not also the calamity? Because the, it's the calamity that makes us go, man, as, as joyful as I am that God does these good things for me, I cannot cross him. I owe him. He's bigger than me. He's not like me. His presence would decimate me. But I need him. And, there, and there's that there's that push and pull, right? Like we we are we are finite creatures, man. And for some reason, like we got it we got it stuck in our minds that this reality is about us. And it's not, man. It's a lot. It, it and yo that conversation I had with them it was a long conversation, man. We 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 talked for like a couple hours. I wish I could do that with y'all, man. I'm not gonna do that on this episode though. Um, but it's a long conversation, man. Have the conversation with your friends, man. Did God, was it, was it God's intention for things to go down like this so that he could glorify his son? Or is he, does he respond to the things that we do and mess things up? And he's trying to scramble, trying to fix everything. Search through the scriptures. Ask yourself that question, man. Like it's, to me, it's simple. It's it's God, and and how can I say that God does the good things, but He doesn't also do the other things? It's not like Satan is is co-equal with God. He's the king of all. Does God use Satan for His particular means? Absolutely. Did God say He's the one who brings calamity? That He's the one who takes sight away and takes hearing away and makes people deaf and lame? He said He's the one who does that. What? How are we going to argue with that? He's the one who says he did it. Is is it God the one he says, I'm the one who gives and who takes away? Cannot the potter do what he wants with a lump of clay? Can, can he not make 
one vessel for honorable use and one for dishonorable use? Can he not simultaneously make wraths, uh, pots, prepared for destruction? Can he not do that? That's that's Romans 9 right there, right? He said, I'm, who are you? Who are you to question? I can do what I want. I'm God. Don't, don't tell me. That's what he told Job, right? Who do you think you are? You know what I do? And here we come along like, no. That's not who God is. God wouldn't do such things. <laughs> silly. We're silly creatures, man. We're silly creatures. But here's the thing. I think this is one of the things Jesus was communicating on the road to Emmaus. I think he was telling his people like, you remember all those times when God was was sending his people into captivity? That he left them in Egypt? He didn't leave them in Egypt. He sent them to Egypt. Knowing full well that there was going to come a, a, a Pharaoh that was going to turn against them. He said he was going to he said he was going to bring the Babylonians. As soon as it, as soon as they were talking about it in Deuteronomy of getting ready to go into the promised land, he was like, "No, I I know what's going to happen. And I'm going to send them in captivity for like 40 years." I I know that. That's <laughs> I'm going to send them into slavery. God knew. He's the one who sent them there. People people try to act like uh God looks out over time sees the things that are going to happen, and then responds. That's not who God is, man. That would make him reactionary to the things we do. Ultimately, that makes us God. Like, God doesn't have power to control everything. Nah. No, I don't. That's not God. Whoever whoever that person is that, that's described in people's minds, that, that ain't who God is. God is the one who gives blessings and brings calamity. That's it's just the nature of who he is. Pray for the folks that are going through this hurricane right now. Pray that they come to Christ, man. This this world that we live in, it is not our home. We are citizens of another kingdom. Why are we trying to hold so closely to this kingdom? Ultimately, I think that's the point of all these these natural disasters you know the forest fires that we have over in cali that bring this smoke over the hill man sometimes we can't even go outside man the the air quality is so bad that we can't go outside for over an hour it's god who brings that because he's trying to remind people this is not your home come home and the only re the only way you can get home is through my son and his son is saying all those that the Father gives me, I won't lose one. I promise you. Come to me. I think that's what he's trying to communicate back then. I think that's what he's trying to communicate now as we perpetually walk this road to Emmaus, trying to figure out who God is and how everything, everything in all creation points to a good and great and awesome and terrible and scary and loving God. That's the God we serve. But that's my episode for today, man. I, I hope y'all enjoyed it. I know I probably said some controversial stuff to some folks, man. So sometimes they say controversial stuff is what gets people talking. So if this got you to talking, yo, loop me into the conversation, man. I like having these discussions. It is fun for me. 
I'm weird like that. <laughs> Just ask my wife. Um, but nah, thank y'all for tuning in, man. Thank y'all for the love. Um, wherever it is that you you're tuning in, man, I appreciate y'all, man. Just just tell other folks about it. That's that's all. Uh, that's all I ask. Uh, I love y'all. Hope y'all doing well, man. Hit me up in the email if you don't have my phone number already. Just hit me up in the email, man, and, uh, and we can chop it up. But so much love. Love y'all so much, man. Until next time, grace and peace. <laughs>